Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. So, it's February. What the heck? Is it just me or did it go really quickly? January was just here. I love January. It's one of my favorites. And the reason it's one of my favorites is because that's the time that in most Centers for Spiritual Living places, uh, we get to talk about Back to Basics. And that is what Reverend Larry did all of last month. And I think it's cool because for those who are maybe new to this philosophy, it's a really good, very clear, um, very clipped um, intro into uh, what we believe and what we teach. And for those of us who are a little more involved in the teaching, um, we get to fall in love with it all over again. I don't think that's just me, but I love it. And basically what we talk about, what we believe, what we teach, is the concept of one thing that is everything, and that it creates everything by its thought, its own thought. And since that one thing is everything, that has to be us, and we create our lives in precisely the same way. So the same technology that is employed to create planets and universes and galaxies and stars and such, that's the same technology we use on a slightly smaller scale, of course, to um, create our own lives. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the deal, except for the love part. The love part. There I am. Oh, wow. I drifted. Sorry. I, I do that. <laughs> Thank you, Star. <laughs> so the love part is what I am wanting to talk about today, the thought part and the love part, and how those things work together um, mentally, emotionally, and physiologically, because all that works together as well. Um, and I think the whole idea of thought being creative is awesome. And it, to me, it doesn't mean a whole lot without the love part. Um, because the love part, in my view, is what uh, motivates us to be who and what we are. And it is literally life-giving and life-sustaining. And because God is love, and I say God is love because if it wasn't, then we wouldn't be able to do that, right? Um, the love that is God is us, and because we can do that, my assumption can be then reasonably, logically, that God is love. So that's where I come up with that. And because I come up with it like that, then to me that has to mean then that if God is love and we're aspects of it, then we are love, which means that we're hardwired to love. That it's uh, literally in our DNA, as our DNA. It's a part of who and what we are. And I believe that the one thing that I call God, and it's important to know, please call it whatever you want. And if the word God bothers you, substitute another one because it's personal and it doesn't matter. Call it whatever you want, whatever, whatever speaks to you. Anyway, I'm going to call it God because that's what I call it. Um, it creates with thought out of love. And it is through the love of what it creates that it gets to experience love. Does that make sense? 
So the way that God gets to experience love, because God is not a human being, not a person or personality, the way God, I think, gets to experience love is as we experience love. So it's like we bring God with, essentially. Because don't you think that love, real love, true love, uh, transcends any human experience? Um, That's my experience of it anyway. Um, Have you ever felt a love that was so powerful, so big, so huge, so powerful that it felt like more than your human self? Like this is not a big enough container for that kind of love, that kind of power. It's like the best part of ourselves in that when we are able to love like that, it's the best part of ourselves in a completely unrestricted, um, open way that just can't help itself. And so it's, uh, it's I call it an out-of-ego experience. Um, it just seems to wash over. It just seems to happen. Um, loving a child, for instance, I think evokes um, that kind of love. Um, I'm, there are other times as well, but that's, the mo- to me, the most... Um, amazing thing, uh, whether you gave birth to it or whether you um, adopted it or whatever it is, that kind of love um, is what I'm talking about. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, wrote that the heart is the center of divine love. Love is at the center of man's being and that the pulsations of life itself are governed by love. The pulsations of life itself are governed by love. That's us. The pulsations of life. So literally, love is in our DNA. Uh, we came in with it. We're, uh, that's what we're built out of. And it's the organic expression of the truth of everybody, of every single one of us. And I think that's why we're so drawn to it. I think we're impulsed to express love because it's the truth of us. And there is that within us that unceasingly draws us into the fullest expression of that. And so when we talk about being brokenhearted or open-hearted, we're speaking of love. We're speaking of that, that, that love that is completely, completely open. There are some who view the heart as... One of the organs of the body, um, clearly a vital organ to be sure, um, but it's, it's, it's an organ, a physical organ, and it has a job to do. You know, it pumps blood and such. And obviously, as physical beings, we need that because if that stops working, then so do we. Um, our bodies literally can't function without it. Equally as important, I think, equally as important is that we cannot live full vibrant, authentic lives, and unless we can live those lives in an open-hearted way. So the physical part is the physical part. And there's much more to us than that. And there's much more to the heart than that. In fact, and some of you know this, ancient Chinese medicine views the heart as the organ, but as an organ that's not just physical in nature. I love this. They view it as one that sustains the connection between consciousness and the material world. That's pretty big. Between consciousness and the material world. 
So then we could say that the heart is a tangible gateway to the conscious awareness of all that has ever been or will ever be. That the heart is that. So this thing does a lot more than just pump blood. And it's half of the mind-heart connection because what goes on in one goes on in the other. What goes on in one affects the other. If the mind is full of anger, for instance, and sadness, um, resentment, it has an adverse effect on the heart. Which brings us back to thought, which takes place in the mind. And I want to tell just a little story that just happened the other day about one of my kids. I have three children. I have a son. I'm not telling you how old he is. <laughs> I heard someone say the other day that they were 65 with a windshield factor of 66. That's what I know. Anyway, my son is in his 40s. Anyway, and, and I have a couple of daughters, and one of them lives in California, and she works in a really fancy, organically, politically correct California cuisine restaurant. And one of the guests uh, that has come in a few times um, asked her out on a date. And it's been a long time since Kate has been out on a date. She has a lot of friends, and so they'll hang out and they'll do whatever. But this is someone she did not know, really, and he asked her out on a date, so she was very nervous. And her biggest concern was her car because she has what was a really cool car. It's a white Mustang with a convertible top, but the convertible top is trashed. <laughs> it's trashed. It's beyond trashed. And so she saved up some money. She was going to get a new convertible top, and by the time she got the money together for it, it had doubled in price. So she still does not have a new convertible top, and now it's so funky that it's all gross and grody on the outside and everything, and she can't even wash it because now it leaks. So if she washes it, then it goes through the interior of her car, and, and it's just disgusting, and it is disgusting. And so, and so she didn't want this guy to see her car, and she was trying to figure out, could she borrow a car? Could she, what could she do? And she was obsessing over it for days. I mean, seriously obsessing over it. It was all she could think about was this car. And so finally she decided she would park it around the, a block away, and the restaurant is in an area that's kind of like an urban renewal area sort of thing in Santa Rosa. It's by the railroad tracks. And so there are people that hang out there that maybe um, don't live in a house with four walls and such. And there's other, but the restaurant's really nice. Anyway, so she parks her car a block and a half away around the corner and hopes that that's going to work. And anyway, so the evening goes great. Um, they spend three hours over a glass of wine, and it seemed like it was just an hour. And she said it was just really, really nice. And so they get up to leave, and he walks her out the door, and he says, well, I'll walk you to your car. She says, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> and he says, oh, he says, my mom would kill me if I, you know, if I did not walk you to your car. This is a 40-something man. And so Kate's like, oh, crap. So... They're walking to her car, and she's trying to do the witty banter thing, so maybe he won't notice. Unfortunately, in the three hours that she was in this restaurant, um, some folks with shopping carts and canvas tents and such had set up a homeless encampment um, around her car. One of them, in fact, was using her car as a recliner. So... It was like your worst nightmare. And the thing is, 
So this guy that she just met has to help her, you know, get these, and literally had to move people to get, and, and she's still thinking maybe she can make a clean getaway, but then the door won't open. And it was just awful. It was awful. And the thing is, though, that she had been thinking about this for days. That's all that was on her mind. So look what, look what happened. She literally created her worst nightmare around this, around this. <clears throat> anyway, I just, I just cracked up. My other daughter told me that, and I almost had a little accident. I was laughing so hard. I just, I couldn't believe it. It was like, oh my God. I at one point turned him all in. I said, you're making this up. It's like, no, no. Anyway. <clears throat> she did finally was able to get in the car and get us started and go home, but it was, yeah. And they have another date for ice skating on Tuesday. So, <laughs> so uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, and I'm going to translate that, a person is what this person thinks about all day. So what we think about all day is basically turns out to be who and what we are because we create our world and everything in it with our thought and with our belief. And of course, doesn't that have an effect on how open-hearted we might be? If we are living in fear, if we believe that the world is not a safe place, if we believe that people are bad, if we believe that love is scary, if we believe that we are not enough, all that stuff, we're not going to be approaching our lives in an open-hearted way. And every thought, every emotion that we have um, has a chemical effect on our body. It changes brain chemistry, it, which changes every other chemistry, so it goes everywhere. So a thought is not something independent of everything else, just kind of dangling about like it's like one of those cartoon thingabobs, whatever those things are with the little arrows with the thought in the middle, you know. It's, it's more than that. These are not suspended in thin air. Um, they work us. They go through us. And not just us. What we think and what we believe, uh, because we are uh, connected, because we breathe the same air, because we use the same energy, Whatever we've got, whatever you got going is contagious. It goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. And Chinese medicine has known for centuries that the heart and the mind are connected through energy. In fact, they say, and I love this, they say the heart houses the mind. And what we refer to as mainstream medicine, and I have to confess, I don't even know what that means anymore. Um, but even there... Um, there is a new attitude about the mind-body connection, a way new attitude. And in fact, just as an aside, um, talking about the connection and talking about thought, we're using this book in one class called Mind Over Medicine. It's written by a medical doctor who um, is talking about all these studies and everything. And she talked about, and this, I, I kind of knew this, but I didn't realize the extent of it, in these double and triple blind studies and everything, you know, where they test drugs. And so it's put on by the pharmaceutical companies and such, and, and um, hoping for a good outcome, obviously, so they can sell their stuff. And, and uh, what they have found over and over and over again, if you think you're taking a pill that's going to fix something, your chances of fixing something are better than if you took the actual pill. And they just find that over and over again. 
if you are taking something and you think it's going to cure you, it's going to make you better, it is. It will. So see, we're not just making this stuff up. It's scientifically based more and more and more all the time. And so our, our bodies and the organs inside our bodies and all the cells and all the blood vessels and all that, there is much more to us than that. Not only is there much more to us, but that more informs everything that goes on in our bodies. Everything. And so we're not just here to be pumping stations. That's not why we're here. I think we're here to love. I believe that we're here to, to love, to receive love, to give love, and to open up more and more and more and more. And I think that as we do that, we change the planet. And imagine if that were the universal operating system. Imagine what the world would be like. Imagine what the world will be like. And so how do we do that? How do we express the love that we are then? First of all, I think the easiest and simplest way is to start by remembering, by recognizing that there is that within us that already knows all this stuff. There is that within us that is love itself. There is that within us that remembers exactly who and what we are and is just waiting for us to catch up. And not just waiting, I think it calls to us. I think it calls to us all the time uh, to be more of who and what we are. And I found a blog. Um, I just love saying blog. <laughs> I just think it's so cool. Blog. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I've, I've been talking too much. But she was talking. I just happened to run across this. Happened to run across this. Um, her name is Beverly Blanchard. She writes a blog. And she says, we have been conditioned to believe that all activity is solely conducted through the brain encased in our head. Like that, encased in our head. It is our brain that controls everything and sends out commands to our body. It is our body that acts on these commands. That sounds simple enough, right? And then she says, is that really the way things work? That's part of it, but that's not all of it. And then she goes on to say that uh, when a baby is developing in the womb, the first brain that is developed is located in the heart. This heart brain is composed of about 40,000 neurons that can sense, feel, learn, and remember. And then she talks about research that says that the heart communicates information to the brain and throughout the body via electromagnetic field interactions. Energy. It's the heart that generates the body's most powerful and most extensive rhythmic electromagnetic field. So think about that. Think about the combination of that with the power of thought. That's huge. I mean, that's huge. And she talks, goes on to talk about the heart field acting as a carrier wave and all that. It's just, it's just really, really cool. And then she talks about how if we are feeling disconnected, uh, if we just live up here or just live here, that things don't work so well. 
that thing that that electromagnetic field kind of gets out of whack and things don't work our lives don't work so well and this information isn't new right I mean most of us have been hearing different versions of this ourselves for a long time and not only that but it's been around for uh, centuries centuries and centuries and centuries even before I was born it started yeah I have a birthday coming up it's on my mind So we have, this knowledge has been around forever, but somehow, especially in the West, it seems we've sort of forgotten this stuff. You know, we have forgotten. So that we, um, I think it looks like not only do we separate ourselves from each other, uh, we separate ourselves from our environment. We've even managed to separate ourselves from ourselves. Um, We've become so disconnected uh, that I think sometimes we view ourselves as just a collection of body parts over which we have no control, uh, that we just have to live with it. Some of us just kind of observe in dismay what's happening uh, with a feeling of helplessness as if, you know, well, that's what happens. And I'm not sure that's true. In fact, I don't think it is. I think the more connected that we are with our own selves, with our heart-mind connection, with our own interior space, uh, the more we can strengthen that connection. Because remember, we aren't doing this by ourselves. There is part of us that already knows all this stuff. It's already in there. It's already in there. And to me, that's the gift of the heart, that no matter how far we've wandered, no matter uh, what has happened in our lives, that there is that within us that knows exactly who and what we are. And that information is starting to be everywhere, isn't it? I mean, everywhere. And so I just want to end by talking briefly because um, I liked the way Larry said this a couple of weeks ago, and even though it sounds startling at first, what he talked about as far as thought and our creative thought is that it's really important. He invited us to say, to look at our lives, because if you want to know what you think, what you believe, look at your life. That's what you think, and that's what you believe. And so he invited us to stop and look at our lives and say, I created this. I created this. Because here's what. That's a really powerful statement. I created this. Because creation is creation, right? It's the same technology you've been using up until this moment. We're just inviting each other to use it um, in a more awakened state, a conscious state, because it's the same thing. And I'm inviting us to use it in a conscious state, an awake state, and let's name that state the state of love. Wayne Dyer says, you're only one thought away from changing your life. You're only one thought away from changing your life. But you have to do it. Nobody can do it for you. But it helps to have some support. It helps to have others hold up a mirror when you forget. Which brings me to what I want to speak to just briefly before I end this, which is the uh, women's retreat. We're celebrating 10 years this year of the women's retreat. 
And this is what I'm talking about. This is what I am talking about. This consists of a community of women who have created and then continued to nurture this community of women by responding to that call from within that says, I love you. That voice within that says, you are beautiful. You are supposed to be here. You are worth it. So show up. You know, show up as all that and watch what happens. And see, all those things are true. And so life responds to truth. And what has happened, these women have been doing it. It's been, there are new women coming all the time. And there's also, there's, the core is getting bigger. But there's a core of women who come every year now. Every year. And we have come out individually and as a group. And I don't mean just sexual preference, although that's happened as well. Um, (laughs) We have come out. We have opened our hearts. We have opened our minds to the idea, to the truth, and experienced it, that we're all connected. Everything's connected. We're connected. This group of women is connected. And it's awesome. It has literally changed our lives. All of us. It changes our lives. And that's one of those gifts that just keeps on giving. Do you know what regifting is? I just found this out because somebody regifted something to me. That's when, <laughs> I think it's awesome. That's when somebody gives you something and you don't want it, you don't need it, you don't like it or whatever, and so you give it to somebody else. So love is kind of like regifting, except that you get to keep it and give it away at the same time. And the more that you give it, uh, the more, the bigger it gets. The bigger it gets. And we can do this, right? We can do this. We can do this because it's who we are. It's the truth of us. And don't we want, is there anybody here that couldn't use more love? I mean, really. More love, more alive, feeling more connected, remembering who we are, showing up for our own lives, giving God the right of its life. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, and it's love, and it's you. Let's pray. And so in recognition of this one life that is absolute pure love itself, I recognize that this love, this one life, is all life. So that its love is in everything, all of its creation. And I know that means me. I know it means everyone in this room, everyone, period. The truth of every single person who's ever been or will ever be is love. And so I speak this word for and about those of us in the sanctuary this morning, affirming and knowing and claiming our willingness to remember who we are and act accordingly. I affirm and claim for each one of us a desire, a pull that is so strong that we open our hearts, maybe sometimes in spite of ourselves. Trusting that the way is made clear, trusting that we are supported, trusting that we are loved, and trusting that we're here to love, that that's our assignment. And I affirm that we do that willingly, gracefully, lovingly, with some excitement, knowing that we change the world with every smile, with every look, with every I love you. And I'm grateful to know this. I'm grateful to know that love transforms the planet and that love is who and what we are. 
and in gratitude and confidence, knowing that the truth spoken is always acted upon. I release this word. I know it's done. I let it be. And so it is. Thank you. And so, thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.